I want to preach a thought. Uh, the Lord kind of laid this on my heart a few weeks ago, and uh, been waiting for the time to preach it. I want to preach this thought. The church, everybody say the church, has a mission. The church has a mission. When we look at the story of Zacchaeus, I know I preached on that just a uh, service or two ago, and uh, all that story wasn't about a young guy that was willing to climb a sycamore tree. It was all about a soul. Amen. And surely the Lord had already dealt with him. God had already moved on because the Bible says no man cometh to the Father except the Spirit draw him. So something had been going on in Zacchaeus' life to get him to go to the extreme or to the extent of what he went to, and he knew where to go to. But at the ending of that, while others were expecting healings and miracles and, uh, for the lack of a better word, a show, if you will, are the great things that God was doing in that hour for people in their physical world, uh, the Lord kind of said it like this. And Jesus said to them, this day salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. He wasn't the popular guy in the city. Hello? He wasn't the one that everybody invited over for lunch or hung out with or drank coffee with that, that just loved coffee. He wasn't that guy. He was the guy that most disliked to a high level of degree because of his position and what his job made up of, collecting taxes. They were known to be cheaters. It was known that uh, a tax... Excuse me. A tax collector could tell you what you owed, and it didn't even have to be accurate. I think it kind of works that way still. They tell you what you owe, and you just have to pay it. All right? And But he was so disliked, but the Lord made it very clear. And I'll paraphrase, if we'll read into what the Lord's saying, forget what you think of him. Forget about your opinion of him. For he also is a son of Abraham. I don't know if you checked in the Bible lately, but I'm sure you have. But we're all a son of Abraham. Amen. We're spiritual sons of Abraham. Oh, praise God. <clears throat> so help me out a little bit tonight. My voice doesn't seem to want to cooperate. But the Lord made it very clear that his mission, everybody say his mission. It's easy to see in the Bible what Jesus' mission was about. Why he even came to earth. Why he even became a man. Why he robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. Why he went through all that he went through of preparing his disciples and then the works of Calvary, of an old rugged cross. He did that because he came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. That was the purpose of it all. The reason he allowed his creation to nail him to a rugged cross was because he came to seek and to save the lost. The reason he took those stripes on his back, the reason he allowed a crown of thorns to be piercing of his skin, of his forehead, uh, is because he came to seek and to save the loss. The reason he allowed the blood to flow from his body to be the only soul cleansing blood, the Lamb of God. The reason he endured the suffering of the cross is because he came to seek and to save the lost. If it were not for the lost, he would not have had to go through all of that. But because of lost souls, there was nothing he would not endure. He actually said he looked forward to this. To In one scripture, it tells, gives us a description of that because he knew the outcome was to seek and to save the lost. Why are you saved tonight? Why do you have the Holy Ghost tonight? It's because Jesus came to this earth to seek and save you and I. 
The only reason that we're born again, bought with a price, purchased with the blood of the Lamb, the only reason that we're redeemed is because he came to seek and to save our lost soul. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, can I tell you that he came to seek and to save your lost soul? He wants to fill you with his spirit. Praise God. Because there's coming a day, whether by grave or by air, we're going to be caught up together with the Lord to be in the air in the air with the Lord. And we shall forever be with him. That's the day that he came to save us for from this wicked world, from a, a, a life of hardship, a life of destruction, but ultimately from an eternal hell. He came to seek and to save us. We owe him everything. I said we owe him everything. For he came to seek and to save us. He wants to save every lost person in this sanctuary tonight. He came. You can say he was on that cross because of me. And you would have a true statement. In fact, I think we ought to take it personal because it was personal to him. Amen? Clap your hands to Jesus. Jesus gave his life to pay the penalty for our sins because he came to seek and to save the lost. We would have no hope if it were not for him coming to seek and save the lost. But then he didn't stop there. Before he left this earth, or before he went to Calvary, and then right after he rose from the dead, he invested, he taught his disciples. He trained his disciples. He prepared his disciples to be sent out. Why? He came and did the ultimate. But he did not complete his work. The work of redemption was completed. But the work of salvation was not completed. The work of salvation is still not completed. As long as there's a lost soul on this planet, there's a work to be done. That's why he poured into his disciples. That's why he taught them. That's why he trained them. That's why he prepared them. Because his body was going to depart and he was going to re-enter this world in a different manner. But his mission would not change. When he ascended to heaven, his disciples were so disappointed. They were standing there in awe and in fear and wonder and the loss of him being departed. But he had already told them, go and wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He had already told them, don't depart from Jerusalem, but to wait there. Come on, somebody. And why did he do that? Because on the day of Pentecost, when he poured out his spirit, he came in a new body. He came to leave a greater body. Here on this earth, and that his body is called the church. It was just not one mouth. It was not just one set of hands. It was not just one set of feet, but there will be multitudes that will go forth. That's why he said, greater than these shall ye do, because he was multiplying his body, the church. And the mission never changes. We're more than just a church. Hello? We're, we're more than just a church. He gave birth to his church to have his body in, in working, functioning form, not in a physical body, but in a spiritual body that his mission would go forth because he wanted us to catch the mission. When we're born again of the water and the spirit, we ought to have his mission at heart. And that mission as we go forth as the church by the king is that we're here to seek and to save the lost. Now, we can't save them. I wish we could. But we've been given the tools to reach them, but only he can save them. Well, praise God.
Anybody ever heard of the Great Commission? It's still the Great Commission. It'll never stop being the commission. We might stop following the commission. We may lose heart for the mission. We may lose vision for the mission. We may lose purpose for the mission. We may lose commitment to the vision, but the or the mission, but the mission will never stop. The commission where he has sent us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You want to know what God called us for? He saved us. But when he saved us, he called us. Now what I've done for you, go and tell others go into all the world and preach to everybody I don't care what they look like I don't care where they come from I don't care what their background is I don't care what their life has been go and seek and save the lost that's our mission everybody say the church Jesus showed them how to love he showed them how to reach and to treat sinners His ways were not what they understood or expected. They were not understanding of his technique or his approach because it broke protocol, amen, of the normal structure. He stepped across their boundaries. He got outside their box. Hello? Why? Because he was on a mission. He refused to be shut up in their thinking and their and their structure that they had set up in the temple and in all the and I won't get into all of that but he came to step outside the box because he came on a mission to seek and to save the lost Let's look at some examples. He he taught them how to minister to the downtrodden. He taught them how to not forget the castaway. He gave them an example of a woman at the well. Just bear with me. I'll try to get it done within reasonable time. But we got to get a vision tonight. We've got to catch a refreshing and renewing of our purpose. We've got to live out our purpose. If not, we're going to become so self-focused upon what we want, how we like it, what we expect, and we're going to lose the mission that it's not about us. It's about them. It's not about what I think. It's about what they need. It's not what I like, but it's what they've got to have. It's not what's going to soothe my conscience or what's going to bless my life only, but it's what's going to deliver them from an eternal hell. Oh, praise God. A woman at the well, you've heard it preached. She'd been married five times and currently living unmarried with someone else. She was not the most desirable or the most reputable person. But Jesus said, He had needs to go to Samaria, go through Samaria. He had an appointment. His appointment, was he, did he allow their thinking, their thoughts, their feelings, their views to stop him? No, because he was on a mission. You'll find out it was more than just about her. But he went to that well because he knew she'd be there. He knew what her past was. He knew what her current or present was. But he knew what he wanted her future to be. So he shows up at the well and you know the story. He reveals to her who he is, that he's the Messiah. She goes back. When the disciples showed up, they didn't understand why he was talking to this woman. And she dropped her water pot and left because she didn't feel comfortable with them in their, in their presence. And she goes back to Samaria and she tells all the people there, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? And she brought him to a place he would have never been invited. She brought him to a place that no one else would ever go to. She brought him to a place of harvest. Why did he set things up? It wasn't just for one woman, but it was to reach an entire area, an entire nation, if you will, an entire people of Samaritans that everybody else wrote off, that nobody wanted to reach them, that nobody gave them a chance. 
You don't know how that feels until you're that person everybody's wrote off. Until you're that person nobody gives a chance. Until you've lived homeless on the street. Until you've been an outcast. But she knew how it felt. to take it off all the time but, but after they got through then in verse 35 he looks at his disciples and he said y'all say there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest you know we have a tendency to always talk about what's going to be what's coming What's, we're the threshold of because it doesn't cause us, doesn't demand any action out of us. It's something that's going to happen one day. But he said, y'all say that yet in four months there comes harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. You know what he's kind of saying, Brother Shannon? Y'all can't even see the harvest because you're so focused on the do's and the don'ts and the protocol and who we're supposed to talk to and who we're supposed to reach for, who, who's good enough and who's the outcast. Y'all are so focused on the protocol of Israel that you can't even see the harvest. You wouldn't even look on these fields because they are downgrades. They are castaways. They are unwanted. You would even look on these fields and in that field field, there's a harvest that you haven't realized. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white. Hey, it's all ready for harvest. It ain't down the road. It's not in the next revival. It's not who you think it's going to be only, but I'll tell you who it is. It's those that everybody else has gave up on. If you'll look to the fields, I'll show you a harvest and it's not down the road. It's right now. I got a lot of notes, and I've done this several weeks ago. So if I go to reading them, just bear with me, because I don't want to miss something just getting excited preaching. Amen? I don't want to be missing the harvest. We can't. We as a church, we're on a mission to seek and to save the lost. It don't matter who they are. I said it earlier, and I'll probably say it ten more times. It don't matter where they came from. It doesn't matter what they look like. It don't matter how they smell. If they still have the stench of alcohol on their breath. If they hadn't bathed in six weeks. It don't matter. That's a soul. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Come on. Well, praise God. They come and get the Holy Ghost. They'll learn to take baths. They'll get a home that they have a bathtub in. Well, I can't get off on all that tonight. Then there was the woman caught in the act of adultery. Oh, we, 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 we talk about those legalistic, judgmental people that brought her and throwed her at Jesus' feet. But yet we've all been guilty of the same thoughts. Hello? We've all judged them. We've all talked about And it's easy for us to do that out of this flesh. But that's not what we got to operate of because this church is not of the flesh. This church is of the body of Jesus Christ, which is the Spirit. And that's why we've got to think through the Spirit. We've got to pray through the Spirit. We've got to feel through the Spirit. We've got to love through the Spirit because we can't do it in our flesh. Our flesh is going to be judgmental. Our flesh is going to be downcasting. Our flesh is going to throw them away our flesh is not going to give them a chance but through the love of God the love of God it does not bar anybody the love of God is no respecter of person the love of God does not discredit anybody that's what we've got to do as a church we've got to get rid of this flesh we've got to cast it off and we got to walk in our world and say we're on a mission with the love of God whosoever will The woman caught in the act of adultery. She thought it was over. Most likely. I'm done. She, she really was guilty. But when it throwed her at Jesus' feet, you know the story, but I'm going to share it anyway. Things took a different turn. 
they were expecting her to be stoned. That was their purpose. That's what they wanted. Why in the world would they want her to be stoned and die lost? Hello? We've all said it, but God help us don't say it. Well, they, they, they need to get what they deserve. Well, we haven't got what we deserve. I don't care if they get off completely free. I want them to get in an altar. I want them to pray through the Holy Ghost. We want them to be saved. If all of us was judged over our past action and some not so long ago, we wouldn't have any hope. But thank God he looks through the lens of love. He looks through the lens of mercy. And he said, that's what my church really does. My church looks through the lens of love. My church looks through the lens of mercy. My church is going to reach the brokenhearted, the lost, and the dying because that is our mission. He said, you know the story. He that is without sin cast the first stone. You know, we need that reminder. Come on. Because none of us are perfect. None of us are without sin to some degree at some point. And we can't be so judgmental. But we've got to be merciful. Oh, hallelujah. He looked at them and put them in their place. Come on. He said, he that is without sin, cast the first stone. And then they all dropped their rocks and walked away. And then he looked at her. He said, woman, where are, thine? Where are those thine accusers? She said, no man, Lord. Hello? He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He didn't say, go keep what you're doing what you've been doing. He didn't say, keep living the way you've been living. But he said, I want you to go and don't do those things anymore. You know, that's the hope we've got to tell people. We can't tell them how bad they are, how awful things are, how they ought to straighten up, all the things they've done wrong. No, 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 no. We need to tell them there's hope that you can have a new life and you can walk away from that life no matter what it's being. You can walk away a free person and walk in newness of life. That's what the Holy Ghost does. What a beautiful example he was teaching his disciples. Man, check this stuff out. That's way out of our orthodox beliefs. I'm sure they talked. You believe he done that? But wasn't it amazing? I'm sure they were among themselves. Wasn't it amazing to see that look on her face when she realized that mercy was talking to her and love was speaking to her and not judgmental? I'm telling you, we ought to take note. And this world takes note when we're reaching for people. When they see the Lord doing a miracle in people's lives, those disciples, it was etched in their heart. I can't, I can't help but believe after Jesus ascended and they were sent and they were doing the work, they were thinking, I want to be like that. I want to see that look again. I want to operate in that kind of love. We didn't come to condemn the world, but we come to reach a world. <clears throat> then we'll go a little further. Jesus was having lunch. Just ordinary day. And it came to pass in Matthew 9, 10 through 14. As Jesus said it meet in the house, behold, one or two publicans came. Are y'all reading that? Is that what it says? One or two. It says many. Hello? If we're not careful, we'll see this little small group. No, I believe they fill the house up. It said many publicans and sinners said it meet. In the house. Behold, many public and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. I don't know what the disciples thought. They probably go, oh boy, we're in trouble now. We're hanging out with the wrong crowd. What they want? They want to hand out? What they up to? Or you fix to get into argument or debate? Conflicts? What are they doing? Sure, the disciples got a little nervous, but Jesus didn't. They sat down with him because they felt comfortable in his presence. This scripture over the last couple of years has, has spoke so much to me, Lacey, because it says they felt comfortable 
in his presence. There has something already been proven to them. They had already heard about him. They had already saw his love in action. Hear me, if we're going to reach our world and we're going to reach our world, we're going to do what we're supposed to do, but we've got to be in a mode of love, an operation of love. We can't be judgmental. We can't be condemning folks. We can't be looking down our nose at people. It don't matter what they're involved in, for the Bible says if you want to read the rest of it, for such were some of you. Come on, I was on that list one day. I was among that number so were many of you but by the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ and of a praying church and a loving church we came out of that darkness into his marvelous light so when I see somebody I'm sure you do too I start looking where they can be what they're going to look like what their life's going to be changed into I don't want to look at them just like they are today my heart and your heart has compassion on them But we want to see them for what God would do in their life. They came and sat with him. And when the Pharisees saw it, there's always some Pharisees. Why pastor keep on hanging out with them folks? Why does pastor give them all the time? Hello. I'm sure that's probably what they were saying. Why is Jesus, look look at him. He said, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? That's downgrading. That was indicting. Why is he hanging out with them? Well, he answered them. But when Jesus heard that, he said to them, They that hold need not a physician. Mm, I could preach something else right now. I'm going to pull the reins in, hopefully. Come on, somebody. But they that are sick... But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am come to call, not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Can I just go ahead and say that Jesus wasn't trying to find saved folks to bring to his church. Jesus wasn't trying to fill up a building to get his church. Or their church. But Jesus was trying to seek and to save the lost. God help us to never make an appeal for somebody that's already Holy Ghost filled in another church. Let us never draw things or design things for that. But let us go into a world where they're lost and they're dying and they're going to hell. And their only hope is a church that's on fire. And a church that'll love them. And a church that'll reach them. That's why Jesus is saying, I didn't come here to call the righteous to repentance. But I came here on a mission to reach and to save the lost hello somebody Jesus came on a mission to seek and save the lost amen he said the whole they don't need a physician come on our world needs a physician the broken the blind the halt the lame the poor, the diseased, the addicted. Come on. They need a physician. They need an answer. They need deliverance. They need hope. They need salvation. They need a new life. And that's where God sent us as a church is to focus on a lost and a dying world that the only hope is that there is a body of Christ on location that will love them. It don't care how much money they got. It don't care what they drive. It don't care what they live in. It doesn't care what their past is. It doesn't care what their present is. We just want to reach them because we're on a mission. Everybody say a mission. This new time got me kind of messed up. It's only 706. So I'm okay. You know, I love the story of Carneas. Beautiful story. If you haven't read it lately, go to Acts chapter 10 read the whole chapter. Beautiful story. It was about a religious man, but he was lost. He was. He, he prayed. He fasted. He even gave. But he was lost. It's okay to reach for them folks. We need to. Hello? And so, the Lord sent an angel to him. 
most powerful angel. Hello? God sent an angel to him. Well, why didn't the Lord just let the angel give him the message? Because the Lord don't choose angels to give the message. He chooses you and I. That's the only way. The Bible says that the gospel be hid is hid to them that are lost. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. And that's why we've got to be the light of the world and the hope of this world. We've got to be a revival church in a troubled world. Come on, somebody. We've got to be a red hot revival, praying, Holy Ghost filled, miracle happening, saved, saving station church for a world that's in deep trouble. We're the only hope they have because we are the body of Christ on a mission. I'm going to just be transparent with you guys. I sit right over here in revival. I say, God, I'm done. I don't care how polished we get. I don't care how wonderful programs we can have. I don't care how we can present our presentations and have everything looking this or that. I don't care what all we can put together to fine-tune and make everything excellent. I just want to be the church you called us to be. I don't care if we're rough and ragged. I don't care if we ain't got our act together on every dot and every crossing of a T. I don't care if we don't have the newest and the most fashion. I don't care if we're not known as the coolest and the ongoing thing. All I want to be known as a place where people can be redeemed, a Revival church where you can move, where souls are saved, where hearts are changed and lives are changed, where families are brought back together, where families are, are saved. And, and my God, have mercy. I don't care if we don't do it right in the eyes of the church world. I don't care if we can't dance to the music. We can't clap to the music just right. Come on. I'm not trying to be some hit church either. I just want to be a church that God can move in, where God can operate in. Come on, somebody. When it's all said and done, oh, that's not going to matter anyway. What's going to matter? If they feel comfortable walking in this church, if they feel loved when they get here, what's going to matter? It's what we're doing out there to get them in here. Well, glory. I said, praise the Lord. Do you know this cool story about Cornelius wasn't about angels. It was about souls. Nobody knew the level and the impact in the doorway of what was about to transpire that will be going to this day today. Hello? Garcia Cornelius was a Gentile. They were considered dogs by the Jews. Now, it wouldn't be nice if somebody said, well, you're just a dog. Man, that kind of fend me. Get my feelings up. But the Gentiles knew what they were considered. And it was against the law for a Jew to go to the house of a Gentile. Now, is that not in an orthodox box? Does that not leave souls outside? Yeah. And that's why the Lord sent an angel to Cornelius. He couldn't get nobody to go preach to him, Brother Wesley. He had to go to him and get him to send for somebody by an angel. And the angel said, go send for Peter, who's down by Simon the Tanner's house, out by the seashore. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. The angel told him who to go get. And guess what? He brought him back a Pentecostal preacher. Hello, somebody. Go read it in the Bible. He brought him back an apostolic preacher. He said, I want you to go get that Pentecostal preacher down there because that's what Peter was. He was apostolic. He preached this Acts 2.38 message, and you don't get more Pentecostal than that. And so a Pentecostal preacher came to Cornelius' house. But while he was there on the rooftop, the Lord had to deal with him. It's a sad day when God has to deal with us about reaching lost people. But because of their learning and their understanding and their influence in the protocol of that hour. God has to pull him out of the box. God, please don't make us have to pull us out of the box. Come on. And so Cornelius, while Peter was on the housetop, people were on the way, and God sent an angel, sent a vision to Cornelius. And it was a sheet held at the four corners, swooped, 
and it had unclean animals in it. And the voice of the Lord said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, Oh, no, not so, my Lord. I shall not eat anything that is uncommon or unclean. He's in that orthodox mentality. And he's thinking unclean animals. And this happened thrice. And finally, he doesn't get the picture. You know, sometimes we just don't get the picture. Maybe it's your neighbor across the street. We just don't get the picture. Maybe it's that homeless guy we ride by every week. We just don't get the picture. Maybe it's somebody on the job. We just don't get the picture. And the Lord just speaks to him. He said, arise. Three men are at your door seeking thee. Go with them doubting nothing. I'm telling you, God was really down to business, wasn't he? He told him, just, just get up. You didn't get it, but you'll get it on the way. There's three guys at your door seeking to go with them. Don't, don't doubt anything, for I have sent them. This is amazing. This is incredible. There's something very powerful here that's about to change the course for an entire nation of people. And so he goes with them. And on the way, no, I get it. He said, don't you call anything that I have cleansed uncommon or unclean. And that's when he got it. He said, oh, I got it. And so he goes there and he realizes the Gentiles are not off limits. He realized they're not unclean, that they're not dogs. Isn't that incredible when you get revelation that Jesus is here for whosoever will? I mean, Peter preached it on the day of Pentecost, and he still didn't get it. He said, for the promises to them that are, uh, that are in Samaria, uh, Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the uttermost parts of the earth, whosoever, amen? And as many as the Lord our God shall call. He didn't even get it. But now revelation has come. And so he's going. He's preaching to a people that's been off limits. And Carnelius has gathered all his house together. And when they get there, he preaches the gospel to them. Because it's the only gospel he knows to preach. And guess what happened? There's some folks came with him, some Jews, and they were astonished because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 44 through 48. For they heard them speak with tongues. When they heard them talking in that heavenly language, whoa, I know that. I remember when we done that. Remember, that's what happens to people get the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, it washed away all those years of training and mentality and influences. And it pulled them out of the box. And revelation came and said, oh, wait just a minute. That means they got the Holy Ghost. And Peter got called before the council of the Jews in Acts chapter 11. And he, got him in, and he was in trouble for going to the house of the Gentiles. And he said, he rehearsed it by order. Then he looked at them and said, who am I to withstand God? Can I tell us tonight, I know we wouldn't think we would ever do it, but if we're not careful, we just might disclude somebody in our efforts of outreach, our witnessing, our offering a Bible study, our invitation to church. Who are we to withstand God? Hello? And you know what happened? Give me just a minute. I need two guys. Brother Wesley, Brother Philip, come here. Y'all stand there. No, no, come stand right over here. Y'all bear with me. All right, we've been in revival. I hadn't preached in a long time. Stand right here. You stand over there. Come here, come here. All right, hold y'all's hands together like this. Reach over. No, 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 like that. This is a door. This is a door. This door's closed. But when we come through, I want you to, I want that door swung wide open. God was reaching to the Gentile world that could never be saved or nobody would reach for them, love them, or preach the gospel to them. They were considered dogs. And he's opening that door to bring them right on into the kingdom of God. And thank God that he did because guess what you are and guess what I am. We are Gentiles. Had it not been for an angel sent from heaven to a Carneas and had it not been for a Pentecostal preacher to preach the gospel, you and I would have no hope. But God said, I won't leave anybody out because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, hold on. And i got to hurry. My Lord, y'all going to be calling me Pastor L.W. 
Now, when Jesus died on the cross, didn't he die for them all? But he didn't reach the Gentiles. But his body did. The church. He left this for the church to do. And okay, remember, remember those Samaritans that he went to? When he left this earth, he told them to go. And he said, oh, yeah, Samaria. Why? Because the door's been open. Y'all can be seated. But I'm telling you, the church has a mission. Don't let me bore you tonight. Don't give up on me till I get through tonight. But there's something that God is reawakening our senses and our understanding and giving us revelation. We're not here to look good. We're not here to have the best inside this church. God could care less about that. Come on, somebody. But I tell you what, he does care about what's inside of us and what's in this book and who's out in that world and the difference in that connection that he's trying to connect to world. He connects the gospel to a Gentile world. He wants to connect the gospel to a lost and a dying world. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Anyhow, what have we turned his body into? I'm not being negative. Hear me out. What have we turned his body into? Too many churches in this hour have turned into an entity of self-focused interest. It's all became inward and become social. He came in a body form to lead the church to be his body and to continue his mission, his purpose, and that being given of itself and not to be about us, but to be rather to be about the lost. When it's about us, it becomes what the church can do for me, and it should be what can I do for the church. When it's about us, we get critical, and we want things our way, and we lose sight of his way and his will. Come on, help me, somebody. God, help us to get his heart for his mission let your mission become our mission help us to carry out the mission you've called us to God help us yes to minister to the sick yes to disciple and teach the church because Paul showed us to do so but it has never been more plain that we must never abandon the mission it doesn't matter how big we get it doesn't matter how much God blesses us we are to never abandon the mission we're to never quit praying about the mission we're to never quit reaching for the mission we're to never quit living out the mission we have a mission to go forth into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature Jesus said go I'm, I'm coming to a close Matthew 9 35 through 38 Jesus said Jesus went about the cities and villages and teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and having every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, God, what does it do to me when I see the multitude? I got to ask myself that question. What does it really do to me when I walk the streets of New York City? And again, I'm just sharing with you. Brother Gibbons told my wife and I, he was telling her about our trip to New York City. And this ain't about me. I'm just telling you, we, we all need to be, and I need to be even more. He said, well, we're walking New York City. And it was on, we picked a crazy time to go to New York City because it was Memorial Day weekend. It's crazy in New York, but if you go Memorial Day weekend, it's beyond crazy. It's like this. You can't even walk without bumping into somebody. And you got to keep hands on the people you're with or you'll lose them. It's wild. It's crazy. And he told my wife, he said, we're all, you know, just looking at all these beautiful sights and scenes and weird people. He said, here's Robin's over here going, my God, look at all the people that are lost. He's over here wanting to plant a church. <laughs> but, folks, something got a hold of me that day in New York City. And I needed to get back a hold of me. And that was, this is so massive of people that don't know the gospel. 
And that's why people like Brother Donnie Willis has gone to New York City to plant a church. And they're planting a thriving church. And now we just approve him to plant another church in Manhattan. We haven't had a church in Manhattan in over 50 years. But God is sending Brother Donnie Willis into Manhattan. And there's going to be another thriving church. In fact, Aniston will be going there here with AYC. I'm telling you, when I saw those people, all I could think about heaven and hell and these souls that do not know about God, nothing about God most likely. And here they are. Who's going to reach them? And I could go on, but I'm going to end it here. Here's the question I've got to ask Danny Robbins. And I want to pose you the same question to ask yourself. Where's my love for souls? Where's my burden for lost souls that are headed to a devil's hell? Jesus' love, Stephanie, was so strong that nothing would stop him from that cross because he was on a mission to seek and to save that which is lost. When I think about where he brought us from, what he delivered me from, at 29 years of age, I never dreamed I'd ever be saved and they'd be able to live in church, live a life of living for God. Look where he brought me from. He could have let me die out there. He could have let me keep on living the life that I was living, but he didn't. And so I owe him something. Hear me. And I know there's not a whole lot I can do. I can pastor a church. I can preach on Sunday. But that's not going to be what all God's called us to do. But God, can I reach somebody that is where I used to be? Would you feel that way? Can you reach somebody what's where you used to be? Could you bring something to somebody that you've had all your life? What about this world? All the, we talk about how messed up the world is. Hello? Don't we? I mean, it's a good subject like the weather. This world's gone crazy. But that's even more so why they need the gospel. Come on. That's why they need the gospel. They're going to go crazy. They're going to be lunatics. They're going to go wild in sin. They're going to get majorly perverted. They're going to get off in all kinds of junk because that's the fulfillment of end time. That's what sin does to a world. But that's why he put the church here with a mission when he looks across the masses of people across this planet and he sees his church is sitting here and said, get up. Get out of your four walls. Get to love somebody. Get to know somebody. Reach them before it's too late. Let's stand. There's something that happens to me when someone passes. Brother Shannon that didn't have the Holy Ghost. And I knew them. The first time this ever hit me so hard, my brother-in-law, at age 34, died suddenly from an accident on the farm where a tree fell over and broke his neck, killed him instantly. And I'd been teaching him Bible studies, visiting him. He was amazed that I quit smoking. You know, He didn't say a whole lot about the Holy Ghost, but he was just shocked at that. But I remember Tyler giving him into his marvelous light Bible study. Then he told us this of a time there was a lady, this was like weeks before he died. He had a travel trailer set up in Summit, Mississippi, where they were working in the driving out their tanker trucks out of. And he had a travel trailer set up because they worked long hours, got in late. And he said, this lady come knocking on his door with a track. And he was kind and let her know he was a member of so-and-so church. And she went on down the road. Two days later, she knocked on his door again. And she said, sir, I, I know I've done been by. Please forgive me for intruding. But God told me I had to come back one more time. And I had to try to tell you one more time. And he was kind, but let her go. But it stuck in his mind. He came on and told his wife about that lady. Why would God send her back? Why was she so determined? In less than three weeks, he went into eternity. God, I want to be like that lady. 
I had nightmares because all I could see was him burning in hell. And I said, God, did I do enough? Did I do all I could? He was my friend. I've preached too many friends' funerals. And I go, God, did I do enough? Did I take it serious? Did I realize that soul is lost? Was I too focused on my life? Was I trying to be too gentle? God, can I just live my life being blessed and focus on what I want and how I like life to work out and going through the motions and taking care of the uh, of the business of a church? But God, it's my burden. It's my burden for your souls. All souls are mine, saith the Lord. That soul belongs to God. It don't belong to the devil. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I have to ask myself, God, don't let me get lost focus. And we do it. I do it. I do it. We do it as a church. Have we lost our burden for souls? As I pray over this city and the communities around this city, have we lost our burden for the souls of all ages, from all walks of life? Oh, in the name of Jesus. God, where's my burden for the lost? God, can I get up at night and weep over them? Jesus wept over a city. He wept over it because their time of visitation had came and they knew it not. Can we get back to weeping? Weeping over the lost. When I think of my son and my daughter-in-law who don't have the Holy Ghost, I want to think... God, they got to be saved. I, I pray over them. I weep over them. You weep over your loved ones. You weep over your lost children. You weep over your lost families. But God, stir us. God, stir us. We're on a mission. Let's don't get distracted with life. Let's don't get too busy with life that we forget the mission. Let's don't get too focused on what I want at the church and get lost with a mission God help us not to lose focus of the mission the lost folks there's nothing more tragic than someone dying and going to a devil's hell to spend eternity there's nothing worse on this earth there's nothing more tragic there's nothing more sad more heartbreaking because it's irreversible brother Wesley it's irreversible but you and I and all of us can make a difference we can't save the world but we can reach the world we can reach the gospel within the gospel we can preach to them we can love them we can not forget we can pray over them we can weep over them Oh, God, where is the weepers? He looked at that multitude of sheep having no shepherd. And he said, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. God, help us to have a burden for the lost souls. Help us, God. Let it get deep inside of us. Let it drive us. Let us give ourselves to it. Let us be willing to give our time and our attention and our finances that we can help reach a lost world. 